Awesome. Well, it's really, it's really wonderful to be up here visiting with you today. I'm, um, it was uh, sort of midweek when I, when I got the call from Al to, to come on up, but um, God is good, huh? He already had, had made a way. So I'm actually um, I'm sharing with you a, a message that I actually brought to Seacoast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I've got to be honest with you, it's, it's deep end. It's a little bit deep end, this one. And um, I definitely feel the weight of bringing this message to you. And uh, the fact that I've brought it once before sort of gives me a little bit of confidence that, that God is right here and it's okay. We're all going to be okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I have to just, just set you now just knowing that after I did bring this word at Seacoast my phone ran hot for a week afterwards um, with with messages from people and uh, most of them not sharing exactly what they were talking with with God but letting me know all the same that that God was really working with them and um, so I I do bring this um, just just in a way of just letting you know that this word, I really pray, I really do pray, um, that it will be a catalyst for, for some good conversations with God for you to have through this. <clears throat> but relax, it is the love of God. It is all about the love of God. So, um, yeah. right. now you're all worried, please don't leave. <laughs> It's exciting. It's really exciting. I actually, um, in my journey with God, I've only had, um, you know, a handful of experiences of, of wide awake visions from God. And, um, and this word is based on one that I had about, about six weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of amazing dreams that I just knew were God dreams and, and really spoken to in the spirit. But this, this vision, I, I was wide awake I could see it as clear as day, and it just set me on a real journey of, of prayer and, and pressing in for, for what God was trying to say. So the, the vision that I had was um, I, could see, I could see myself praying for people, and it wasn't just me, but I was just looking through my own eyes, but there were other people there um, in a long line praying over people. And as, as we were praying, we were setting... Um, our hands on people and begin to to pray and I could see these amazing wheels within wheels just spinning off and as we prayed these these wheels were just were going and these almighty hands were coming and cranking them and they were wheels that no human hand could ever turn they were huge but but with a prayer they were they were just spun by these big hands and they were going up into the into the air and joining with all these other wheels within wheels and they were just moving across the earth like in a flash of lightning they could be here and and then on the other side of the world and and they were all they were big and they were small all sizes all working together and and spinning and moving to be honest the the vision probably lasted, you know, moments, like I just spoke it to you then, but it felt like I was just caught there for the longest time, just watching this incredible process. And I was completely captivated by these wheels within wheels. And, uh, and it's all I could think about for all the next day, the wheels within wheels. But what, what is that? And uh, 
you know, I kept, I kept just thinking of these wheels. I mean, the hands were there and the prayers were there, but it, I couldn't get past the wheels. And so I went and I looked in Revelations thinking, I know they're there somewhere, these wheels in wheels um, was just so important. And then uh, I ended up going back to Ezekiel and finding them. And I'm going to read you um, a real slab of scripture now, but I'm not going to apologize for it. This, it's one of these scriptures where I just want you to enter in to the vision of what's being painted here because it is absolutely mind-blowing. It's beyond, it's beyond anything that we experience here on the earth, but this is a heavenly reality that goes on around and about us. This is Ezekiel's vision, and I will get to the wheels within this, I promise. It says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of it like the colour of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled with the colour of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides and each of their four faces and wings. Oh, each had four faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upwards. Two wings of each one touched one another. And two covered their bodies, and each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. It's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? I, um, it's so much more than we just can see in our day-to-day life. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. That's just what I saw with those wheels. Just, it was just like a flash of lightning, and whew, they were just gone, far away. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the colour of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went toward any of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. And as for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. Not like, oh, that's so awesome. They were awesome. They were so magnificent, awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping, beyond imagining. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. 
And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went because the spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I'm going to keep reading (laughs) because I just want you to get that we're connecting with a heavenly realm in this. It says the likeness of the firmament, so land sort of structure above the heads of the living creatures, was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. I hope you're getting a picture for this. It's, It's amazing. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight one toward another Each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. And a voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament, Over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. And on the likeness of the throne, notice how it's all a likeness and an appearance. In other words, he does not have the words to really describe what he's seeing here. But it's kind of like, it appeared a bit kind of almost like, it's beyond what he can really explain here. There was the likeness of the throne in the appearance was the appearance of a man high above it. And also from the appearance of his waist and upwards I saw, as it were, the colour of amber, with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the, from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around it. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I think I was led off kind of lightly just by seeing the wheels. (laughs) Because that is enough to just really blow your mind, isn't it? I can... What an incredible thing to think that that is the heavenly realm that exists around us, that there is something beyond our reckoning, beyond our imagination. But I'm going to stick with just a moment, just leaving you with that imagery with the living creatures because they're definitely a key part of what I'm going to share with you and just move into some of the the two layers of the vision that I saw as I just prayed into it. As I said, I just got the wheels within wheels and that set me on this journey of discovery and and pressing in. The first one, the first layer is just these wheels that are released, the spirit of God that is released to move when we pray. As I said to you, I saw these these wheels just flying off as, as, as we prayed and this is for anyone who would pray. You know, the smallest of prayers. Sometimes we can feel that our prayers are so little and so timid. And yet, 
creates something almighty. You know, I saw these hands just shifting these wheels into action and sending them off. And it was beyond anything we could ever do in our own strength. And there's such a key in that, that when we're praying, as I said, they may be fumbling prayers. They might not sound pretty. We might just be blubbing sometimes. You know, utterances. The word says when we don't even know what to pray, we just speak in in utterances. And into the spirit, this incredible thing is released because we're releasing the hand of God to move something, to shift something. You know, I saw these wheels moving and working together, big and small and and shooting across the earth. And I just saw such a heavenly orchestration of things. You know, that, that they work together where we might have a tiny piece of the puzzle that we pray out, but someone else has got a different piece of the puzzle and it comes together and you see the wheels starting to move and, and cog together to create something bigger than ourselves. And I just really believe that the Spirit of God wanted to pour out over his church a message that he is not hindered by our small prayers. He's not hindered by us not being able to see past the natural even. But when we will just release him even a tiny bit, that he will move through things and over things and in ways that we can never even imagine. I saw that, you know, as I pressed in and and saw those living creatures that didn't turn to the right or to the left as they went. They just, they had all directions covered and they just moved. And I felt God just say, he just will move where he wants to move. And not to be fearful or held back, but as we pray, he will just plow through. I saw an almighty positioning in the spirit. Somebody uh, told me as I prayed that wheels can represent government and authority. And uh, for for this one, to be honest, it didn't really resonate with me that this was about government. But the authority, definitely. I feel like God is just really encouraging us to take up that authority because he's going to move things and shift things and start to create space and places for his spirit to move even more. You know, where these living creatures are in the Bible, in Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation, they are always representative of an incredible shift in the heavenly realm. And I just really believe that that's where God is taking us now. He's taking us to an almighty move in the spirit. But the key is taking up our own authority, taking up his word and his sword and and that little bit of faith, even a mustard seed of faith to, to begin to speak into situations and see the hand of God released in them. Are you all okay? Yeah. <laughs> I did warn you it's deep end stuff, but I'm, I want to bring it back to simple because that's how God keeps us. You know, he sees us, we're, we're just his precious people and we don't have to get a full understanding of everything that goes on in the spirit realm. But if we can just see a glimpse of it to understand that 
everything we see, everything we face, everything that's going on, there is something so much bigger than us at work here. And so it's not on our own strength that we lean, but we lean into the strength and the power of God to shift things and move things. And he is still on the throne, <laughs> like lightning and rainbows and all those unimaginable things. God is at work and he's calling us just to step up and into something really uh, incredible with him. <clears throat> so that was layer number one. <laughs> That's where I just got to in my initial prayers, but I knew God was calling me deeper. I really believed as I prayed into this message that, um, that the living creatures were really key. And I'm not going to read you another great big slab of scripture but I am going to keep pressing into Ezekiel's revelation and what he was given when he saw those living creatures and the wheels within wheels that moved. You know, we, we sing all the time and we preach all the time and we press in all the time to the incredible love of God. And uh, that is so important. <laughs> That is definitely the curtain rod that holds everything when it comes to God. I think you can never receive your healing in full. You would never receive your breakthrough in full. You'll never walk in the power of God in full until you have a foundation of knowing that God loves you because he loves you because he loves you and there's nothing else. You can never earn God's love any more than just being who you are because he created you. He brought you forth with a purpose and with a reason. But sometimes, sometimes we can let the love of God lull us into a position that is not powerful and that is not for breakthrough. That sounds a bit weird, I know. As I said, we really love to focus on the impossible, unshakable, unfailing love of God. But that should never let us slide into a place of greasy grace. And I know some of you may not have heard that term before. It used to be sort of thrown around a little bit. But greasy grace basically is where we allow our belief that God loves us to remain unchanged. Where we take the grace of God to mean that we can get away with anything because uh, God knows me, uh, God loves me and we forget that God is calling us from our place of brokenness on a journey to be healed and be restored and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. In Ezekiel 8, Ezekiel was taken on a journey into the temple in Jerusalem in the spirit and he was shown abominations to God. It says that he was, he was caught up by a likeness of the Lord uh, by a lock of his hair and taken into the temple and he was taken to the north gate and shown the place of the seat of jealousy. And it says that in this place of the seat of jealousy, that it causes God to actually go far from his sanctuary. 
This is God's own temple. But there was such an abomination within it that the Spirit of God didn't even want to be there. That's serious, isn't it? It's kind of like... I'll come back to that. I'll keep going. He's taken first to the, to the seat of the place of jealousy. And God says, I don't even want to be here with this. But he says, go further. There's more abominations. Come in further. And so he takes him into a, another room and uh, there's a small hole in the wall and he says, begin to dig. Dig at the hole. And so Ezekiel begins to dig at the hole in the wall and, uh, and he looks in there and inside this room are 70 elders of the temple of God hidden in here and each of them are holding a bowl and the room is filled with incense of their prayers but it wasn't to God it was there was in that place every living creature every creeping thing every false idol and it and God said it's an abomination to me what the elders are doing in the dark because they say the Lord God does not see us and God was running from that It says the elders were hidden away in the dark in their room full of idols. But God said, come further. I'll show you some more abominations. And so they went further to another gate and there was a whole group of women and they were weeping for Tumuts. I didn't know what that meant so I had to Google it. But Tumuts... Um, basically they were just entering into a pagan ritual that was a very common part of the culture around them in that time. To weep for Tumuts every six months, the women in this region would, uh, would gather together and it was a bit social and it was a thing that they did and they wept for this poor demigod that was cast into the underworld who was a lover of Venus or something. I don't know, but... They were just joining in, in what was going on in their culture around them. And they had just blurred a line because it was common to them, because it was near to them. And they just entered into what was very culturally acceptable around them. But it was an abomination to God. And, you know... We sort of look at that and we think, oh my gosh, they were so terrible. But it was just what was around them that they got caught up in. It seemed okay. It seemed kind of fun, kind of social, a bit spiritual, a bit different. From this point, a man who was dressed in fine linen, so a messenger of the Lord or an angel, was sent out to mark the double-minded with a cross and spread coals of fire from between the wheels of the living creatures to be spread around the streets. Coals of fire tend to mean a cleansing in the Old Testament. And I know this sounds incredibly heavy to you, but I believe that God is looking to cleanse his people, to bring out the double-minded and set us back on a path of worshipping him in spirit and in truth, in wholeness. 
Generally, we're not hiding in our temples, in rooms in the dark and worshipping idols and, and creeping and crawling creatures. But it's amazing what sneaks into our world and sets itself up as an idol in our life that detracts us from worshipping God, that draws us aside. How many examples just living in this region, in all honesty, can you think of, of things that sneak in as normal around people that believe in God? Things that are a bit new age and just draw off, but they're so normalised that people enter into them without thinking. It's not that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. (laughs) It just sneaks in as normal. But God is calling us up to a new level to just say, come on, you don't need to put your trust in those other things. You don't need to lean into Eastern religions and Eastern cultures and, and other creeping things. You need to press into the fullness and the goodness of God. That's where your deliverance lies. That's where your healing lies. You know, some things like those elders hidden away in the dark room and they're praying and offering their worship to their other idols. You know, for us, idols is anything that lifts itself above God. Anything that takes your time more than God does and that you look to and and set your eyes on above him. It may not be all that terrible, but if it's become an idol, you need to get it back in its rightful place and get God back at the top of your stack. That place where it says he was brought in to the seat of jealousy. And when I read into that, because I thought, what does that even mean? But it was, it was other things, like I said, set up there within the temple that were not of God. Within that place of believing that just did not belong. And one commentary that I read likened it to a marriage relationship where you have a, a, you're in a marriage covenant and set up on a, on a dresser, on the mantle in your home, is a picture of your lover, not your spouse, <laughs> to clarify. And this, I just believe that God is asking you, what have you got set up in your home that is not gone? What have you got in your, the house of your heart that just doesn't belong there, that would cause God to... Turn his face. Because he loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. But he is a jealous God. You know, there comes a time in every relationship for those defining conversations. For those times just to to set aside and, and decide what your boundaries are, where your limits are. What parameters you're going to set? You know, when you when you first start hanging out with someone, and uh, and you like each other, there comes a time you need to have a conversation about where this is going. Are you going to be exclusive here? Is this is this a thing? So you're not living in a grey zone. When you've been going out for a while and things, you might have a bit of a conversation that might involve a proposal. Changing the parameters of your relationship. Drawing a line. Drawing a new boundary. 
I was very blessed to go to a wedding yesterday um, and watch as this bride and groom stood there in front of each other and they declared that they would be committed to each other for the rest of their life to the exclusion of all others. That they would stick to each other through thick and thin. To be by your side and on your side was part of the vows, which was beautiful. And I just really believe that God is calling us into those defining conversations. To ask you to be by his side and on his side, just as he is by your side and on your side. He's calling us to a dedication and a devotion to him. You know, the word tells us that he's coming back for his perfect bride without spot or wrinkle. That's nothing to do with getting older. (laughs) But a bride that's unblemished by sin, that is wholly devoted Are you all okay? <laughs> I did say this should it, this should launch you into some long conversations. <laughs> we all are on a journey. But the thing is to keep going on the journey. Like I said, God loves every one of us. And he captures us and he woos us exactly where we're at. But then he leads us. He doesn't want anyone to stay in a place of brokenness. And he doesn't want us to get familiar with things that have just snuck in and we get used to them. So this is a really encouraging message. As much as it might be hard, it should be hard for everybody to stop and just examine their heart and and to look at themselves and just do a bit of a heart checkup on where, where you're really at, to take stock. But it's all because... We're being called by God to be something stronger and closer. Just to bring it into the New Testament, you know, Paul writes to the Colossians, the Thessalonians and the Ephesians and commands all of them to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. It is very New Testament to not stay in our sin. It is very New Testament, New Covenant to let God lead us and transform us and build us into Christ-likeness. In Romans 12.1 it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I said, there is nothing that can make you worthy of God other than the blood of Jesus. He is our salvation. He is what captures us, cleans us and washes us. That's all by grace. But we don't want to just stay there in that little baby state. When we're born into the kingdom, we're little babies. We need everything just straight from God. But he wants to build us and strengthen us and push us out because there's a whole world out there that is so desperate for the love of God, 
for strong, transformed people that are on that journey towards faith, to being strengthened and built up in faith, to say, come in and walk with me. I'm not perfected yet, but we're going in this direction. You know, none of us are perfect until the day we get to heaven and we get to leave all this worldly stuff behind. But stay the journey. Keep letting God rewrite the writing on your heart. Keep being um, refreshed and renewed in him. I really believe as you look around the world at this time that we are at the pointy end of time. (laughs) And I think most Christians are in agreement that the global state of where we're at is, has got us all looking and wondering, you know, how close we are to the return of Christ. And I can tell you after driving through town this morning in a way that I don't normally go, there's a lot of people dawdling around on Sunday mornings that think that the highlight of their week might be the farmer's market. <laughs> I'm not saying anything's wrong with the farmer's market, but they're not going to eternity with organic food, <laughs> just with organic food. There's a lot of people that need us healthy, spiritually, transformed. And God's calling us just to let go of everything that would ensnare us, that would hold us back from the fullness of what he has for us. I think if those living creatures are ready to move, I want to be right there with them, don't you? I want to be just let go of those things that hold me back. If there's anything that God looks at in my life that he says makes him want to turn his face, I want to let that go. If there's the smallest thing that God says, that's an abomination. That's something I want to let go of. And I want to draw a line here because God never calls you an abomination. There's a very big difference for God between sin that traps us, that God might hate, and who we are. I just want to make that really clear. God loves you, and he sees the enemy grab you and hold you, and that's sin. But there's a difference. Are you, can you, are you hearing that? God never calls you an abomination. But he does get mighty angry when the enemy has a field day in your life. But we have to keep choosing to step out of that thing that holds us. Because there is a time when we, if we surrender to it willingly over and over again and we live in habitual sin, that we are binding the hand of God. Two Corinthians thirteen five to six says, as "Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. We have not failed the test. You actually cannot fail the test of Christ in you when you keep turning to Him, keep aiming for Him, and keep pushing towards Him." 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, Better we judge ourselves, lest we be judged. 
as I said to you, this is a deep end message. But it's only God in his grace and in his goodness and his mercy just saying, I want to be closer to you than we've ever been before. I want to walk with you in a way we've never walked before. Because God and sin just cannot cohabitate. You know, I often think about the, uh, the, the scripture that says that uh, about the builder, that, um, that in that day, you know, when, when his time comes, that all our works will be tested with fire. And it says everything that isn't of God, all the, all the wood and the hay and things, it'll all be burnt up. And I think that's, that's like sin. When you come into the atmosphere of God, sin just cannot exist there. It just burns up on entry. Be building things that are of God in your life. Because we want to get through with things that are lasting, with things of legacy, with things that stand the test of time. God really wants you to be tucked into that secret place with him in this next season. And I don't know about you, but when I listen to rumors of wars and there's earthquakes and there's famines and there's pestilence and there's all these things happening across the world, I want to do everything I can to tuck in as tight as I can to my Heavenly Father. As I said, God is deeply and irrevocably in love with you. And in his love and in his kindness, he's asking you to let go of some things today. Maybe for some of you, it's just an attitude that keeps coming back and robbing you of your peace. Maybe for some of you, it's much bigger. Maybe it's just a little practice that seems so harmless, but God's putting his finger on it today and saying that's, that's robbing you. That's robbing you of your position. It's robbing you of your strength. Maybe it's a harmless little reading, but it's pointing in a different direction to Jesus Christ. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you about what God's talking to you about. And I want to remind you again that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit never comes to condemn you. But he will come to convict you. The difference is a condemnation is a, is a pushing down and a pushing back. A conviction is an invitation to do things a better way, to come closer to step up to a new level. And you know, we all do this journey in our own time. For some people, they seem to give their life to God and everything just drops off them in a heartbeat and they seem to be on an express train to the throne room of heaven. (laughs) For others, it's a meandering journey. And it takes time to rewrite those deep things in the heart and in the mind and let things be washed off. And 
We're not to compare one to another. This is between you and God and about you taking your steps closer to him in your time. God loves you. He loves you. And he wants an exclusive relationship with you forever and ever. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just, I thank you that, um, that you are building your church. You're building your people, Lord, stronger. You're calling us to a new level where those things that rob us of relationship with you, that rob us of intimacy, are to be laid aside. You're inviting us, God, to step in closer, to be one with you. And Lord, I pray for every person here, my God, that you would just give them such a a glimpse, Lord, into the heavenly realm, to see that you are at work doing something extraordinary in our time. And Lord, that your desire in this time, in this season... It's for your people, Lord, to be so close to you. To be tucked in to the secret place of your tabernacle, sheltered by you. Lord, that you draw us close to make us strong. Lord, that we can bring other people into your kingdom and into the truth of who you are. Lord, that you're preparing your church for these last days, my God, where you need us to shine brighter to burn stronger, to be on fire for you. And Lord, I pray for every person here that your peace so floods their heart, my God. Lord, I bind up condemnation. I bind up that thing that would cause anyone to drop their head in shame, to pull away from you, to to cast their eyes downwards, my God. I bind that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for every person here, I pray that they would know that they can run boldly to your throne of grace. Lord, that your mercy is there for them, your goodness is there for them, and your plan is there for them, my God. That not one person is rejected, Lord, or, um, or cast aside from your purpose and your promises. But Lord, every time they turn their eyes back to you, no matter what has bound them, Lord, that you will lift them up, that you will wash them white as snow and that your plan is for restoration. Lord, I pray that even as this week goes by, Lord, that those defining conversations will be had with you, heart to heart, spirit to spirit. Lord, that everyone here would have the courage, Lord, to examine their hearts, to be honest, and to be courageous enough to let go of things that you're calling them to let go of knowing that you have something so much better to give in return in Jesus name